This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. With exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, the Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast, where we have conversations about Christ and all the scriptures for every church. And we are this week finishing up the book of Jonah. We'll be in Jonah chapter four, joined again this week with my brother John Aiken, uh, Pastor Matt Caps, and Pastor Josh Redberg. Uh, they've been helping us walk through this book. And again, we'll we'll knock out chapter four uh, this week. And so, John, we're going to start with you, uh, chapter four. Give us an overview summary and then any textual issues that are going on uh, in Jonah chapter four. So I, this may sound strange. I think this is maybe the most powerful chapter in the book, and it's it's often left off of the the children's Bible versions of this. Like <laughs> I love the Sally Lloyd Jones Jones Jesus Storybook Bible and read it to all my kids, but it it has it's like the revival is the end of the story, you know, and um, it's not. And so Jonah, after this massive revival of repentance in Nineveh. You'd think he'd be on cloud nine, right? And he's he's probably got a book deal about how to <laughs> how to do uh, revivals in tough places, revitalization. Um, but he's ticked that God would show mercy to the Ninevites, and um, and he he basically complains and it's a, I told you so. And so if you're if you don't reveal this in chapter one, why he didn't want to go, then now it is revealed. He says, "This is what I told you," uh, and you know when I was still. Uh, in my country. And he says, I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, <laughs> slow to anger. Hmm. And it's like a complaint. It's not a praise. It's a, it's a right. complaint um, that this key characteristic of God, which is what the whole book's about God's merciful and gracious character and, and towards the whole world, not just towards Israel um, and how he wants his prophet and his people to share in that character. Um, and they're not. And so he doesn't. He doesn't want them uh, to get this. So he he travels uh, west to east through the city. He goes to the east side of the city to make a shelter and to sit in it. And he's waiting to see if God's going to turn Nineveh into Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, as he does this, he's as we talked about before. Probably after going through the digestive system of the fish. He's probably hairless at this point. He's like he's like Brother Matt um, and Bob. <laughs> That's twice during this series and, you got um, after Matt's hair. <laughs> and uh, and so the the east the Middle Eastern sun would be incredibly problematic. And so God, in His mercy, appoints a plant. The text tells us that grows up and shades Jonah from the heat and from the exposure. Um. And I can just tell you that, like, of all the incredibly gracious acts that God has done in the book, this is another. This is another incredibly gracious act because 
as whenever, whenever I preach this, I tell the people, this is not how we handle temper tantrums at our house. Uh, we don't say, Hey, how can we make you more comfortable in your temper tantrum? Uh, and that's what, that's what God does for, um, and for the first time in the book, he's happy. Hmm. Uh, for the first time in the book, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of smiling and, um, and just an amazing thing. And then, uh, God appoints a worm the next day to destroy the plant. And now there's the, you know, scorching wind and sunburn and all those things that he's, um, that he's exposed to. And the climax is this final dialogue. And, uh, remember last, last, uh, time Josh mentioned prodigal son and, in Jonah three, I, I mentioned prodigal son in Jonah four because, like the prodigal son story, um, where the dad is having this dialogue with the older brother, and there's no conclusion to this to the dialogue. There's no conclusion to the book, and so you don't know what Jonah chooses. But but God God just basically is like, hey, are you are you in the right here to be angry? Like, and then it just it's amazing text. He he says, you you pity the plant. For which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand and also much cattle? And so uh, just this amazing conclusion to the book where he's he's trying to get them to he's trying to get Jonah to see like, hey, man, you're you are way off here, bro on your priorities and what you care about and, and you're missing my heart. And so he's trying to, he's trying to, I think lovingly, but chastisingly get Jonah to, to share in his heart for the nations. Matt, uh, anything you would add there as far as summary or textual questions? Uh, I think the, those two main themes, uh, I think when I, when I preached it, I looked at kind of the, the internal what was going on with Jonah and then external as far as what goes on with the mission of God there. And I, the main point of the sermon I preached on chapter four was we must adopt the compassion of God to participate in the mission of God. Um, and the idea there is like when grace is extended to Jonah, he loves it. He's filled with thanksgiving. When grace is extended to the Ninevites, he's filled with anger. The only thing he expresses concern over when something perishes is the plant. It's not even the people, right? Or the, 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 the potential of the people perishing. So it's it's like his compassion for others is drowned out by his own self interest, and so I do think there's there's a there's a work of the heart here that says like the people who truly understand grace can show grace to others, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I remember using you know Paul Tripp has that great saying that um, you know all of us think our biggest problem is outside of us when it's actually inside of us, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's going on here with Jonah and. Um, so I, I do think there's, this is a great, cha- I agree with, with John, this is a fantastic chapter. It's probably my favorite because it's like the, the final punch <laughs> to the self-righteous face, right? Like you read mm-hmm. the story and you realize that you're, you know, you and I, we are Jonah most of the time. Mm-hmm. We look at others mm-hmm. like this. And though God has lavished grace upon us, we are so he- hesitant to show it to others. Um, so. Josh, what about you? Any summary uh, or textual questions? Yeah, I think the unusual nature of this chapter is significant because I do think it is the point of the book. It really shouldn't be there. I mean, the story wraps up so neatly in chapter three. 
And so chapter four, it is startling just from a literary sense. Um, in one sense, it's unnecessary. Like, the, you know, Jonah repented, they repented, everyone lives happily ever after. And then you have this shocking fourth chapter. I think that's intentional. And I do think, I think both guys said this, it is, it is the point of the book in so many ways. Um, I think this chapter also shows us why the very first words Jonah says in the book are, I am a Hebrew. His identity is that's how he views himself primarily. Um, and it comes out here. These people are not mm. Hebrews. These people are not um, the same as me. And I I think it's a chapter on on bigotry in so many ways is how we look down upon others who are different than us. Certainly, there are the larger themes of Jew and Gentile, the mission of God, but also these like smaller themes of the way I treat people who are different than me. And I, I broadened it out to our people um, and by saying we can do this in any way that people are different than us. Uh, Jonah treated these Ninevites like, you know, like sometimes we use a phrase of those people, those people. And what we mean is they're different than us and they're different in a way that makes me superior. Mm. And so I, I think we can apply that more broadly um, to any way in which we treat people as inferior to us because of a difference. Mm. And certainly there can be national ethnic reasons, but it can be can be social class. Uh, it can be someone who's not from here. Um, just just so many different ways that we treat people poorly because they're different than us. Is it warranted if they are a Duke fan? <laughs> that's a. I think that's a deep theological question. Um, we're, we're in the middle of March moments. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's really good, Josh. That's helpful. John, so give us, um, tell us Christ-centered connection there in Jonah 4. So let me merge the textual and the um, the way I pointed to Christ in this text is that uh, Jonah, so, so I think I think the text, as they as they have said, that this, this fourth chapter is kind of the point of the book. And the point of the book is, to me is that Jonah, like the, the, the prophet of Israel, like Israel, is failing to be a light to the nations. And I think there is a I think there is a subtle indictment of Israel, not not just in not just of Jonah, with the plant this 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 vine that comes up um, the Deuteronomy six language. When you think about um, this idea that that um, God is the one who like he, he talks about blessing being that you're you're enjoying growth that you you didn't plant it you didn't water it you didn't do anything to make this happen but you're enjoying the blessing of it and that and even that that language he uses of israel as a vine that that he's planted that he's given the growth um and so you see some connections with language in deuteronomy and so forth uh and so i think it's a subtle indictment of israel to say look um yes the covenants have been made with you uh, with the with the offspring of Abraham, but that was so that you could you could bring that blessing to the world. It wasn't so that you could keep it to yourself, um, and it wasn't because there's anything special about you, you know. And so he he's saying, you pity the plant, um, you didn't build it. This isn't something you did. And and so I think there's a subtle indictment of Israel in the text, and I think that's I think that is uh, again the indictment of the book is that. Jonah and the people who are reading this at first are not sharing in God's heart for the nations. They're not being a light to the nations. 
and the light to the nations is Jesus Christ. Ultimately, he's the he's the fulfillment of that. Um, and he brings the blessing of Abraham to the Gentiles by the sign of Jonah, by undergoing judgment and then walking out of the grave three days later. This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. Zonovan Bibles has partnered with the Passion Movement to bring you an accessible study Bible with features designed to help you meet Jesus throughout the scripture. With over 1,000 articles and essays written by contributors like Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, this study Bible is written so that you may know him more intimately, love him more passionately, and walk with him more faithfully. The full Jesus Bible has been changing lives since 2017. And now, select books of the Jesus Bible are available as individual Bible journals. The handy size and ample space for taking notes make these Bible journals an ideal one for group study or personal devotions. Chronicle your own journey of faith as you discover Jesus as the lead story of the Bible in five Old Testament books and nine New Testament books. There was never a moment before Him. There will never be a moment without Him. There is no BC. Find out more at thejesusbible.com. Matt, we'll come to you. Christ connections you made for your folks. Well, I will say every time John says you pity the plant, I make a, a Mr. T connection. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if you're doing that Those are there. <laughs> That's very appropriate. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, when, when it comes to the Christ connections, I do think. Uh, so if you start with the internal part, what I was talking about a minute ago, the idea that, you know, we do have a we have prejudice towards people not like us. We don't. And we don't. You know, we love to receive grace. We don't love to give it. Like, I'm okay with grace and mercy until someone receives it that I don't think deserves it. Exactly. Right? So um, I, I think you start, I, I tried to start there. And then you, and you, you, you basically just preach the gospel, right? I mean, all of us are undeserving of the grace of God that we've received in Christ. Um, and, and Christ has, has um, saved us uh, from death, just like it did Jonah, the Ninevites. Um, by grace and mercy. So we're all sinners saved by grace. And so when our hearts are melted by the compassion and mercy of God towards us, then we're able to ex- extend that compassion to others. And so my question was always, if, if you don't find yourself showing mercy and compassion to others, if you have prejudice, if you have um, uh, the, these things in your heart against other people who are not like you, um, you know, has has the gospel really... <laughs> Uh, sunk in deep into your soul. Do you understand what God has done for you? Do you understand who you truly are? And I think it's once you understand that compassion of God, you're empowered and motivated to to be on mission and extend that mercy to others. And so I think that that's why I love chapter four, um, because you, you recognize, I mean, the, Jonah says, right, that the Ninevites don't know their right hand from their left. Like They're just evil. They're so evil, they don't even see it. And yet God's grace and mercy is showered on them. Um, and uh, so being morally and spiritually unaware, it kind of helps you look at the world around you and realize, you know, we can we can get online and we can rage about the evils of our society. We can stand outside and hold up signs. But the reality is all of these people are dead in their sins. They don't understand. Like they, they can't see. And we have to pray that God opens their hearts. We have to preach the gospel. We have to call them to repentance. Um, but in order to do that, we have to drop our prejudices and our hatred towards them and see the see them as people in need and extend the same grace that we've been shown in Christ. And so this chapter is great for just mission and evangelism right here. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful. Good. Josh, what about you, brother? I made the same connection John did to the prodigal son. Both of them leave off without 
answering whether or not there was uh, repentance from sort of the older brother. And so I, I ended with that question that the stories don't answer, don't resolve, I think, because they want us to answer it internally. It's not really important to us if Jonah repented of his bigotry, not really important to us if the older brother repented of, you know, his his arrogance and self-righteousness. It's important for us to ask if we repent of those things. So um, I think those two stories tie together so well. One other point I made about Christ in this was that we are never uh, more unlike Jesus than when we treat someone else as undeserving of grace. Uh, the incarnation is Christ humbling himself, becoming lowly in order to save those who are undeserving. And so when we're unwilling to share with someone, we're never more unlike Christ at that moment. So bigotry, prejudice, these issues are they are gospel um, issues. They're at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. And so I, I think we've got to stress that in this chapter. Good. John, let's move to application. And how did you make this clear for your folks? Yeah. So kind of like a lot of things that Matt was talking about and and uh, Josh was talking about. So I, I setting up the prodigal son kind of thing, I, I kind of asked my outline was an application outline with three kind of rhetorical questions for us to kind of answer. OK, how, how are we going to respond? It doesn't matter what Jonah did. What, how are we going to respond? The, the three questions were the application questions were all around this idea of will we share in God's heart for the world or from the first four verses, will we resent God's grace toward the lost? And that's where I talked kind of what Matt talked about as, you know, is there there are and I use stories to set this up like all of us think we're, we're for we want everybody to be saved. And yet there are churches in the heartland of America where I, I use an illustration where a, a pastor got fired because too many people were coming to Christ. And it was the kind of people that the people in that church didn't really want to be sitting next to them uh, on Sunday, Sunday mornings. And so it gets to that bigotry point that Josh keeps making. And do you know, do we, do you want to lose your seat? Um, do you want to keep yours, you know, the small family hometown church, you know, uh, and not reach out. What about the nations? I, I, I tackle ethnocentrism and would we prefer Muslims be bombed into hell than to be one into heaven? Um, and so that's the first one. The second is, will we share in God's heart for the world or will we prefer our material blessings to other salvation? That This may be a little bit of a stretch, but I, I talk about how Jonah, the only time that he's happy this entire th- thing is when he's being materially blessed with this plant. <laughs> And then when the plant goes away, he's mad and he wants to die. And so I just kind of set it up with like, hey, or, or do we care more about our physical blessings that God gives us or that he's blessed us with than we do the lost around us? Like, are we, if we, we get more upset about the car breaking down than lost people around us going to hell? Um, and so those are, you know, those, those are questions that I, that I asked. And then the last one is, will we share in God's heart for the world or will we ignore the spiritually blind peoples in it? And so I just, Talk about again, as 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 the as brothers have said, when he's saying they they don't know the right from their left, these are spiritually blind people. This is this is like Jesus sees the crowds and has compassion because they're like sheep mm-hmm. without a shepherd. Like when we think about lost people, it's easy for us to get angry about lost people acting like lost people and unbelievers acting like unbelievers. Whereas the Bible says they are they are blinded by the God of this age, and and they are blind. They are. Um, they are trapped. They are enslaved. 
And so do we have compassion for them? And, and are we going to, um, you know, share in, as, as I keep saying, share in God's heart uh, for the world. And so that's kind of how I close things is, you know, the, the question that was facing Jonah is the question that's facing you. Uh, and so that's, that's how I applied it. Good. Matt, what about for you guys? Um, other than kind of the, the things I've, I've previously said, I, I think it's helpful. I found it helpful to, to frame my application and, you know, the true great commands, love the Lord, your God with all that you are and love your neighbor with the same amount of energy and intentionality that you would use on yourself. Right. So if, if we truly, truly know and love God, and we understand his grace and his mercy that he has shown us when we don't deserve it. If we truly know and love God, then we should be able to truly know and still love our neighbors, regardless of whatever divisions of society and prejudices that we have culturally. We can lay those down because um, we understand the love that God has for us. So that that's kind of the framework I used uh, to, to, to motivate, um, hopefully, our people to to see the, the mission emphasis really behind um, the heart searching that happens in Jonah. This podcast is sponsored by the Pillar Network. If you're the pastor of a revitalization or a replant seeking to lead your church towards healthy Baptist ecclesiology, you should consider the Pillar Network. Learn more about their DNA and what partnership looks like by visiting thepillarnetwork.com. Again, thepillarnetwork.com. Josh, what about you guys? Uh, a couple smaller ones. They made some good points on the sort of the bigger application of the chapter. One is that right theology alone doesn't keep us from bigotry. Jonah had a right theology. In fact, he quotes Exodus 34 and he interprets it correctly. I didn't want to come here because I knew you would save him. Like it was his theology, correct theology, that led him to say, I don't want to go there because I know who you are. I know what you will do. And so we can think as long as I have right theology, I'm, I'm okay. And this shows us not if we don't, we can apply it poorly. Um, second self-centeredness makes you irritable. That's one of the things in chapter four, Jonah just seems irritable and it's because he's so focused on himself. And this was just, I thought a little bit of a, an opportunity pastorally to be like, some of you are irritable all the time with the people around you. And it's because the more you focus on yourself, the more irritable you get. And then uh, what makes you happy and what makes you angry is a little bit like a metal detector. The closer something gets to what you treasure, the louder it is. Mm. And we see this with Jonah. Jonah is so focused on sort of what he wants, what he desires, that, that you know, that's what he gets angry about. That's what he gets happy about. And so we can say to each other, we can proclaim, this is what really matters to me. But if we never get angry or we never get happy about it, we get angry and happy about someone doing something to us that reveals where our treasure actually is. And so I thought that was an opportunity maybe just to encourage some self-counsel, um, consider what makes you happy, what makes you angry, and then you'll know what you really care about. That's, that's, that's really helpful. Guys, let's get out of here on just any final thoughts you have. And then we talked about this in the overview sermon, uh, or overview episode, but if there's anything you would add as far as references or uh, commentaries, it'd be helpful. I know after we talked and did that opening intro, I saw that there's a, Keller has a commentary called, I don't know, what is it, God's Runaway Prophet or something like that. Um, so anything, any final words and any or any um, 
commentaries you would add or other resources. And also tell them where they can find your sermons online. But John, you go first. I, I don't have anything else to add. I think I think the killer uh, would be great. I, as I said, um, Chuck Swindoll's sermon series on Jonah is really good. And then uh, Doug Stewart's Word Biblical Commentary, I think, is really helpful if you have the money to buy it. And also, it, it gives you some of the other uh, minor prophets. And so, uh, those are good resources. And uh, my sermons are not online. Well, they are. I mean, it's like on a Vimeo page somewhere. You'd have to dig and find it. If you wait till May, you can find them at, uh, at uh, on First Baptist Naples' website. You're, you're starting in May. Yeah, yeah. starting in May. Lord. Matt, what about you guys? Where, where can we find your sermons and any uh, final words or resources? Uh, fairviewchurch.org, and there's a, a tab for media and resources. You go down to sermons, and it should be there. Uh, I don't really have any other resources to add. I, I will say, I don't think I mentioned, um, I really enjoyed, I can't remember the title of it, Eugene Peterson's book on, um, I think, I can't remember. You, do you guys remember the title of that book? Uh, under, under, under the Plant or something like that. You can find it. Just look at Eugene Peterson. Um, but as as far as the commentaries go, the ones you guys have mentioned, but Peterson's always been good with uh, just uh, providing maybe a fresh perspective or thinking deeply about the passage. And so it's not so much used as a commentary, but a way to think, um, perhaps to get to application or really just self-reflection. Um, what was the your favorite commentary series you mentioned in the first episode? The Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary, <laughs> edited by Danny Aiken. Uh, that's not what you said. <laughs> I think it was the Anchor Bible. Anchor Bible, yes. Josh, uh, what about any final thoughts or resources from you, brother, and also where to find your sermons? Uh, all of these sermons, we'll make sure to link to them on the Christ Center and Clear website. So if you go to Christ Center and Clear and, uh, and select Jonah, we'll make sure that uh, what's available from all three of us is put there. So uh, check that out. Uh, Matt and I are actually working on a book called Preaching Christ from Jonah. Right. We hope that will be out this fall, and so um, so you can look forward to that. Uh, we'll be hopefully taking some of what you've heard here and put it in a way that's uh, accessible. Yeah, so look forward to that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys, and as always, thanks for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast, where we want to have conversation about Christ and all the scriptures for every church. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, check back in soon. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.